as we are wandering through these next four weeks, that somehow we also wonder, are in awe, amazed at things. Sadly, it's, it's kind of an emotion that we don't feel as often as we should. Really to be amazed, excited about the gift that God has given. Well, we're going to look at two minor prophets. Now, I remind you that they're only minor because their books are smaller. It's not that they're less important. It's just that the last 12 books of the Old Testament are these minor prophets, we call, call them. And we're going to look specifically at something that Zephaniah said and something that Malachi said. Now, Malachi's the last one. Sometimes those minor prophet books are really hard to find. If I would tell you to look up Zephaniah, he's hard to find. He's only a few pages long and he's tucked in there between all those other minor prophets. Malachi's easy. The last, the last book of the Old Testament and the last prophet for, you know, over 400 years. And for all of those years, somehow, in some way, the Israelite people were able to keep some measure of hope alive through all those generations that passed through those 400 years. And finally, as Paul wrote to the church in the Galatians, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights as sons. Now, frankly, most of Zephaniah's message and most of Malachi's message are the same as all the other minor prophets, especially. If you guys don't change, you're going to be destroyed. You know, that was the prophetic message, calling upon them to do the things that they weren't doing. But Zephaniah said a couple things to me and to you. And I want you to hear just a couple of those verses that Shirley already read to you. The prophets are irresponsible and treacherous. The priests defile what is sacred and twist the law to their own advantage. But the Lord is still in the city. He does what is right and never what is wrong. You see, that's the hope. The Lord is still in the city. He tells them what they hadn't done. They hadn't listened to God. They had not been obedient to what they knew to be right. And that's troubling to me, translating that into our times. Zephaniah said to his people that they weren't listening to God. They weren't doing what they knew to be right. You know, I'm not sure we know what's right anymore as a society. I know you do. I hope you know what is right. But our society has for so long lived a, hey, if it's easier, if it feels good to me, I'm going to do it kind of lifestyle that I'm not sure our society in general knows what is right anymore. We take the easy way out more than the righteous way out. 
Zephaniah said that they had not listened. They had not accepted the Lord's discipline. Well, you translate that to us. We are a people who like the easy way. I, I do. <laughs> I like the easiest way possible. But when we translate that into our faith, you've got to realize that Christianity requires effort. It requires work. It requires discipline. If you're really going to live the life God has called you to live, to do the right thing, you must constantly struggle and try. I, I think in my adult years, I have come to believe that is the most important thing. And that's something that you don't know about me and I don't know about you. I don't really know how hard you're trying to be the best person you can be. And you don't know how hard I'm trying. But God does. That's what he expects of us, to try. Sometimes we're going to fail, yes. But the trying, that has to be there. Zephaniah said that they hadn't put their trust in the Lord. Boy, you translate that into our time. You know what we trust? Money. Technology. That's what we trust. And in a way, I understand it. Look how human accomplishments have changed our existence. I'm always telling you about my grandfather. Well, one other story about him. He had, when I was a boy, an old, and I mean old, international truck. There was always debate between my dad and my grandfather what year it was. It was somewhere between a 1907 and a 1914 truck. It had big wooden-spoked wheels about that high with hard rubber around the edge, no, no air in the tires, hard rubber. And you know what made it go? A bicycle chain. Now, it wasn't really a bicycle chain, but it was a chain. That was what made the back wheels go. And you'd have to get out in front of that truck and had the crank, and you had to crank it to get the motor started. Oh, Grandpa used to take that on into parades. And I can remember going with him from Port Matilda to Tyrone, probably about 15 miles. We drove, well, I didn't drive it, but I rode in the back of that truck, 15 miles, 15 miles an hour, top speed. <laughs> but look how we've come. We're now talking about cars that drive themselves. We have come so far. Cell phones, wonderful. You remember Dick Tracy, many of you, and his radio or telephone on his watch. Well, we're getting there. Cell phones are, you know, wonderful things, but sometimes they're a pain too. But uh, <laughs> teenagers today, you tell them, yeah, I actually lived in a time when we didn't have those things. It's hard for them to imagine. How far, look what we have accomplished. Yeah, look what we have accomplished. We also can literally wipe out an entire city with one explosion. 
We also can pollute our waters till they're not fit to drink, pollute our air till it's not fit to breathe. We have gained great knowledge, but we have lost our spiritual heading. And that's scary to me. We do not really put our trust in the Lord anymore. It is in our wealth, our technology. That's where our trust is. Zephaniah condemned all these things. And let me be more specific now. Not just our society. He said two things to you, to me. He said, the prophets, that's you. You're irresponsible. The priests, that's me, defile what is sacred and twist the law of God to their own advantage. See, as a priest of this day, I mean, you don't call me a priest, but I have been a religious leader for a number of years. And I've got to tell you, I have always taken that as much as I can very seriously. I have really tried to do the best I can with the gifts and graces that I have. And I also know that any, through those years, any time I may have put stumbling blocks or done damage to the body of Christ, that's troubling. I try to take that responsibility seriously. But Zephaniah also said that thing to you. He spoke to the prophets as well as the priests. You see, the prophets were not professional religious people. I'm a professional religious person. But you're not. You're a prophet. In large part, the prophets were lay people just like you. And Zephaniah said to them, you're irresponsible. And I say to you, sincerity, commitment, devotion... Those should be important words to you as a Christian. But we get confused about what's sacred at times. I guess over the years, your children, for instance, you've probably taught them you don't run in the sanctuary. I was taught you don't run in the sanctuary. Yet those same children have not always seen you being fully involved in the worship that you set through every Sunday. Devotion. We teach our children to come to Sunday school to worship, yet they don't always see it making a difference in the way you live your lives. And it should. Let's check out what Malachi says. He was the last prophet, as I say, before Christ. Malachi addresses the sins of the people who were just going through the motions of their faith. Giving less than their best to God, Malachi said. Malachi writes about the sacrifices. He, he wrote, when you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? 
Now, you know, in their time, sacrificial time, the animals they brought were supposed to be the best that they had. But Malachi saw that they weren't doing that because the best that they had could be sold for greater profit, so they gave less than their best. Malachi wanted the people to get back to giving the best that they had to God. Think about a couple episodes in Jesus' life where people really did give their best. Remember the time Jesus was in the home of Simon the leper. Jesus was at the table when a woman with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume came and poured it on Jesus' head. Some condemned the woman for being so extravagant. But here's what Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. It was a way of her giving her best to Jesus. Or the story of the widow and the gift. You know that one as well. Jesus was sitting at a place where the offerings were put and he watched wealthy people come and put in very sizable gifts. But then he watched one woman come and put in two small coins. And he was impressed with that gift. Why? because it cost her something. You know, one of my favorite missionary stories is about two men who were taking a trip overseas. They were being guided there by a missionary. And he took them out one day to a field. And there was a farmer there working with his son. They had a plow. The son was pulling the plow. And uh, the two businessmen said to the missionary guide, well, that's kind of a curious sight. The missionary guide said, that's the family of Chin Noi. When the church was being built, they had nothing to give. So they sold their ox and gave that. Now they are pulling the plow themselves. The two businessmen were very impressed. Supposedly, they went back and the one went to his church and said to the pastor, give me some plow work to do. And then he said, I have never really done anything for the church that really cost me anything. The woman the two coins gave a sacrificial gift. And I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about your time. How often do we really give to God anything that costs us rather than just what we have left over? That's what Malachi condemned the people for because they weren't giving their best. But with all that, with all that 
condemnation that the prophets often offered. They always had that element of hope. Zephaniah said, but the Lord is still in the city. We always have problems. The work of the church is difficult. You know, it's more difficult now that when, when I started in ministry, it's a lot harder. The challenges that the church faces now are, are so much. As I was growing up, and even in the beginnings of my ministry, all you had to do was say, oh, we're going to have something next Sunday evening. And people came just because that was what they did. Not anymore. Not anymore. It's not that we can just open our doors and say, oh, come on in, because they're not coming in. We have to be the people to go out and get them somehow. It's a difficult task. But I want you to remember, as difficult as it is, the Lord is still in the city. The Lord is still in the church. And I want you to stand in awe of Him this Advent season. Again, that's why we began the worship this day the way we did. I wonder as I wander. I stand in awe of who God is. We're going to close with a little town of Bethlehem, but I want you, when you get to it, to pay particular attention to the third verse. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. See, that's kind of how we usually sing it, but I want you to pay attention to the punctuation of that. Because what it really says is, where meek souls will receive him, comma, still the dear Christ enters in. When he's part of us, he enters us.